I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Hello, horror fans. Welcome to Be Afraid, the horror podcast hosted by Steve and Steve. You can find us on Instagram at Be Afraid Horror Podcast. Uh, first off, today we'd like to thank all of our viewers um, for listening in on us, and it, we've been we love our horror community. So we've been a great time doing these videos with you guys, and also to all of our Instagram followers as well. We are asking just this one time, it would be great if, if you guys could possibly leave a review on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to us on. That would be terrific just this one time. Um, just tell everybody uh, how horrible we're doing. We definitely appreciate it. So today we are again doing another anniversary film. This is our last anniversary film, but later on during the show, at the end of the show, I will tell you what we will be going on. We, we got something big for you going on next. But I'll tell you what's going on with that at the end of the show. But today we are going to be doing a little John Carpenter film called The Thing. 1982 film. It's about members of an American scientific research outpost in Antarctica. They find themselves battle battling a parasitic alien organism capable of perfectly imitating its victims. This movie is a remake that Carpenter made from the 1951 film The Thing from Another World. Which is a great movie. Um, again, like I said, I, I I always feel like I mentioned this in past in past episodes that the thing I when that came out in the eighties, nineteen eighty two, and then I said the fly came out. I, I always mentioned because I feel like these are the big remakes from like the eighties: the blob, the fly, and the thing, and invasion of the body statues. Let's just count that because that came out in nineteen seventy eight, but. Um, that's still the 80s, don't worry about it. It's the 80s for uh, for today. So I feel like those those movies came out and it was when, uh, it started when um, all of the, all the uh, makeup effects and everything was getting better. So again, like the stories they took from the 1950s, from the books and films that came out then, but they definitely made the, the visuals a lot better in the 1980s. This movie stars Kurt Russell, who was in two of my favorite movies from the 90s, Backdraft and Tombstone. And I think Tombstone is one of the greatest movies of all time. And also Keith David, who, again, went on to have an amazing career. He was in Platoon, Dead President, Something About Mary. With Kurt Russell, too, this is... Kurt Russell made five films. I think five films. I could be wrong. Um, I think five films with John Carpenter that I know of. Uh, first off, he made the first movie he made with Carpenter was Elvis, and that was a TV movie, and I think that's a big movie to bring up now because you have the Elvis movie out in theaters right now. Um, and then he ended up making three huge movies, all all classics, some of Carpenter's best. He made Escape from New York. Right after that, he made The Thing, and then he ended up making Big Trouble in Little China, and then he made the what I call a disappointing sequel to. Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. in the 90s. But um, I will talk about my feelings on John Carpenter later with um, how I like part of his career and not the other parts so much. Uh, Steve, how did you feel about The Thing? I absolutely love this movie. It's a masterpiece, and I definitely say it's my favorite sci-fi horror movie ever. Um, those makeup effects are extremely impressive. It still holds up to this day, and it's the reason why I 
always prefer practical effects over CGI. Uh, like I didn't see the remake, but I could guarantee you it's nowhere near as effective just because I bet you they use CGI, unlike in this one. Um, next to Halloween, this is probably my favorite uh, John Carpenter movie, and it does very well what he does in Halloween, which is what I like about it. It's that the, the whole first half of the movie is tension and just building up, and you don't really like see the threat like uh, coming after the people until um, later on. Like I like that, and, and the isolation and the feeling of, of paranoia and like not knowing who to trust. Um, this movie touches on a lot of themes that I like, um, and, and that being a big one, being isolated, because I like... Um, like especially this remote setting like I like the, the snow uh, blizzard and like being snowed in and just feeling hopeless like not being able to communicate with anybody just um so much in, the, in this movie that I like um including the cast and the character work and um but yeah I wanted to first in the beginning talk about the the makeup effects because that's what I know people um know this movie mostly for and it's well deserved because the makeup effects are the most impressive I've ever seen ever even uh to this day um when it comes to to practical stuff so yeah, that 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 is what like really stands out the most. But I also want to talk about other stuff that that well, we could cover a little bit as we go, because um, it's not the only thing this movie like has going for it. Like I know people immediately think of that, but there's a lot of good um, themes, a lot of good acting, um, memorable quotes, uh, just a really cool style and like aesthetic to like the the movie. Uh, very pretty to look at. Like um, I love all the fire and the flamethrowers, um, the, the flares. Um, the like the action, the blood, it's just like a really cool movie to like look at and that you could just watch over and over again. Um, yeah, Steve, what do you think of those makeup effects? Well, yeah, the, uh, what's gonna say, um, first off, the, the, the remake is actually a prequel. Oh, a prequel, okay. So, yeah, yep, so in the beginning of the, in the beginning of the 1982 film, there being, um, the Norwegians are chasing the dogs that are, that are already, that are already the thing and they're trying to kill it with the gun. And that's how the remake ends. Well, the, the prequel. Um, the prequel sucks. Um, I said, and it's because of what you said, like the CGI, like it's just horrible. And it's, um, I saw it with my dad and brother in theaters. I saw that, and I also saw, which we also thought was a horrible sequel, we saw American Werewolf in Paris. I remember we saw American Werewolf in Paris on Christmas, I guess it was 1997 or something like that. But those were, I only see god-awful movies, like, on Christmas. I remember seeing, I saw that on Christmas, and I saw Fat Albert on Christmas. I don't know <laughs> why I went to see Fat Albert, but it, it, it was a classic. You got a little Keenan Thompson, but, like, uh, horrible movies. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I had so many good Christmases growing up, I think I just like to even it out, you know? But, um, so, yeah, so, so that was a prequel, and um, I agree with, again... When people think of this movie, they think of the makeup effects. And when they ended up making this movie, I, I feel like John Carpenter, when you listen to him in interviews, and uh, first off, I'm going to go into how I feel about John Carpenter. John Carpenter is my favorite director of all time. John Carpenter is my favorite director of all time from the mid-70s to, to like 1990-ish. Um, he did not come out with a bad movie for like those 15 years. His first movie that I saw that I was like, wow, this is total shit, is Village of the Damned. His, re his remake of Village of the Damned, his other re remake of a horror movie. But before that, he had, um, he started, um, Dark Star was his first film, but then he did um, Assault Precinct 13, he had Halloween, he had um, Somebody's Watching Me, he had uh, 
And then he went into the 80s, which was a thing. He had Escape from New York. Uh, he had Big Trouble in China. He had They Live. And he had, um, what was it, Prince of Darkness. And very, um, very underrated Carpenter movie. I think it's one of his best, too, is In the Mouth of Madness. That stars Sam Neill. That's like that's an early '90s movie. He came back and he made he made one more good movie in the early '90s. So again, I love Carpenter from like 1974, 1973, whatever to 1990. After that, I don't really enjoy his films that much. But that body of work during that period is enough to make him my favorite director. I love Wes Craven. I like John Carpenter that much more, just like a little bit more. Um, I was also going in like. During that time, um, I know Con Sean Cunningham. Sean, Con Sean Cunningham is the director and creator of the original Friday the 13th. I don't put him in the same category as the guys that I'm about to mention. But out of Toby Hooper, um, who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, who did Poltergeist that we talked about, um, made the Funhouse. Out of him, Wes Craven, you all know Hills of Eyes, Scream. Uh, Nightmare, I was about to say Nightmare Before Christmas, um, that's a classic too, but uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then George Romero, the whole, the whole zombie films, so again, like, out of those guys, Carpenter's the only one still with us, all that, all the rest have passed away between 2015-2017, but I'm gonna get off my love for John Carpenter, but when he came in and he did the thing, it's like you're talking about makeup effects, John Carpenter is like, a guy that wants to see blood, he wants to see gore, he wants to see all this. He like like we said before too. He also wants a slow build up. Um, I think Halloween after that big scene in the beginning, that movie is a little slow. Also towards the beginning, like after that big scene where uh, he kills his sister. Like I said, right after that, the film is a little slow. It, it's like a slow moving film, kind of like we talked about Alien. Like Alien is a great movie like that too. I don't think anyone dies within. Um, I think the first like 50, 55 minutes in the movie. But again, it's just great character development. But also Carpenter, again, like he likes the blood, he likes the gore. So the first thing that I noticed when I'm watching The Thing is that after the buildup, I think the first gore scene, if I'm not mistaken, Steve, or you can tell me if I'm wrong, is the scene with the dogs. Yes, that's the first one. So you see that and like, again, that's just people controlling that with like their hands, like puppets and stuff like that, and again, makeup. And it's just sick how they could do that stuff back then. And that's right when they were able to start doing that. And then it goes on from there. You got, uh, again, you have the arms getting ripped off. You have, um, you have uh, after that, you, you have the head turning into the spider and all that stuff. And it's just amazing makeup effects. And like, again, it, it, it's sick how like, it's almost like I talked about Jurassic Park, how the CGI from Jurassic Park holds up nowadays. That And Jurassic Park came out in 1993, if I'm not mistaken. So let's just say 30 years ago. And then this movie came out 40 years ago, and you still watch it, and you're still looking like, how did they do this? Like, who, yes. who, who, these guys are just sitting around, and they're like, well, let's fucking try this, and let's do that. And, like, they do all this stuff, and... It's, it's always simple stuff like latex and like, oh, we're just using a little wire here or jello. this yeah, jello and stuff like that. It's just like what we said with like Evil Dead 2 and, like, and stuff like that. It's very simple stuff and it's just very effective. And yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, and when people I, watch um, a movie, uh, 
part of the entertainment it's not just like what's on the screen and the story going on and like the acting um a lot of the fascination when watching movies um hollywood movies or any movie in general is just wondering how they pulled certain things off and this movie has that like a like a ton of it and i think of movies like like um like you said the evil dead movies or even another john carpenter movie where they just go the extra mile to make everything look like realistic and just like it's actually there with uh christine which is a, a great uh, movie by him and you actually see the car like transform where you could do that now in cgi it just wouldn't be that impressive but back then they did all kinds of camera tricks and like hydraulics and all like doing the actual work to to make this come to life it's just as impressive as like um you know and anything that you see nowadays with from the marvel universe or any action set piece um just wondering how something is made it, it's like it just uh, fascinates you and blows your mind and this movie has that going the whole time it's just like for example that 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 dog is just so shocking out of nowhere um, the whole movie is a slow build up and then it goes straight to that and no cutaways no camera no no camera tricks nothing it's just you actually see this dog turn into like what he turns into and it's just so disgusting and and shocking and and again impressive and it just makes you wonder how they did it and and you, that with that comes respect and admiration for for the people that that made the movie it's like cuz you could tell that there was passion and hard work and time dedicated to it so um I'll always love John Carpenter from that he's one of those directors like James Cameron or like Sam Raimi that just go the extra mile to make sure everything looks like it's actually there and like you know you could you could touch it not something that that was just put like with um with an effect or something they actually build these impressive sets they burn things down they they use miniatures like i'll always appreciate that part of hollywood and i miss it a lot because um nowadays like i said you just go to computers and and it's, i guess it's cheaper and quicker so there's no point in doing it that way but i'll always like the old movies for that yeah and also like um let's say uh with you your steve just brought up christine i brought up all these great carpenter movies the two that i didn't bring up are christine and the fuck are two great carpenter movies two very do very like I want to say underrated Carpenter films because they're great and people know Christine and they know the Fog but and they they aren't like as great as Halloween stuff um, or Scream like or whatever it may be I think Christine's up there I think Christine's just like very underrated but um, for sure the, you, you talk about the car like building itself that film was I I read about this a while ago that that scene was actually shot backwards so there was something inside the car that destroyed it and like and crushed it so the car was really being crushed but they filmed but they filmed it backwards so you, so, so it looks like it's building itself up yeah, and that's a camera trick cool. but it's still at least um you know the car is actually there so yeah even stuff like that i'll, I'll still take that over you know just computer generated graphics yeah no 100 percent. and uh what's it gonna say uh and all this stuff we're talking about like how hard it is to do all this stuff how hard it could be to uh do all this makeup effects and at the same time, it's John Carpenter actually said that the hardest part about filming is that they had no beer on set. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, <laughs> but uh, but they're just um, again Carpenter is that type of guy who's just like a laid back guy, and you could see it in his interviews, and he, you could see it in um, in the Halloween films. I think Carpenter said it himself, like they keep making the Halloween movies. And they ask him, like, how do you feel about it? As if, like, he feels as though they're destroying his work. The Carpenter, I think Carpenter replied, like, I don't know. Every time one of them comes out, I get a paycheck. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, so he's just kind of laid back. He's, I don't think he takes that stuff too seriously. And, again, the same thing with Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is, Kurt Russell's, for, for those of you that don't know the history of Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell's father is Bing Russell, who, uh, 
he was in a lot of westerns growing up, and he was um, he was in a lot of the Disney movies growing up as a kid. So he started acting when he was like I don't know seven, eight, nine years old as a kid, and then he's also a he was a baseball player. So Kurt Russell wasn't like an MLB player, but he played in the minor leagues teams. And there's this awesome documentary out. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was called the. Uh, it came out maybe two, three years ago, maybe longer, five years ago. I don't know, but it's called the Battered Bastards of Baseball. And Bing Russell, his father, the actor, he bought a minor league baseball team in the 1970s, and it was almost like. Um, Steve, are are you are you a baseball fan? Oh, casual. Do you know about the 1986 Mets team, about the World Series team? I do not. And they they won the World Series in 1986, and they were just the biggest bunch of scumbags ever. And they uh, they're a there's a documentary out on them now called um, what is it called? Uh, something to do with Queens. I forget what it's called. Um, it's called Once Upon a Time in Queens. And so there's a book also called uh, The Year the Bad Guys Won. I am a diehard Yankees fan. But, like, when I think about the great baseball teams in history, I, there's no team on the Yankees that has been more entertaining than the 1986 Mets. They were, um, they would just be out all the time just drinking and partying and uh, snorting drugs and showing up. I think Doc Gooden ended up, I actually went to summer camp in Long Island, and I knew that good and son because his cubby was right next to mine. And but again, this was when this was like nineteen mid nineties. So Gooden was on the Yankees then, so he was living in New York. I think he's still living in New York. I, I'm not sure. I don't follow Doc Gooden's life. It I, I I got no interest in it really. But Doc Gooden, he was so when they won the World Series, he got so high that he woke up and. The Mets were doing their parade, and he had to watch the parade on TV because he was inside like some random guy's drug house, hmm. and it, it was just such a messed up team. But what I'm getting at is that that's kind of like who the Bing Russell's teams were, like the bastards of baseball, and everyone wanting them to lose, but they end up having like the best minor league record. But uh, so that's how like that's like early years for Kurt Russell, and then he ended up being an Elvis with with Carpenter. And he ended up doing his career there. But you talk to these two guys. You talk to John Carpenter. You talk to Kurt Russell. The thing I like about them is that they don't seem like Hollywood guys. They just don't seem like they care what anybody thinks. Like, I, I never seen Kurt Russell in an interview where it's like, oh, I need to say this because this is appropriate. He mm -hmm. seems like he just feels the way. He's not rude, but it just seems like he, he feels the way he feels and he says what he wants to say. So I, I, I think he plays a great leading man. I think Carpenter saw that when he made um, when he made Escape from New York and just kept putting him in his movies. And again, good for uh, good for Russell. And he did a great job as McCready. It, it took him uh, it actually took him a year to a year to grow that beard. That's crazy. Um, to me, Kurt Russell is just a badass personified, and uh, it's crazy how I didn't even find out about the thing. Um, growing up, this is a movie I wish I, I, I watched growing up because this has like everything I liked growing up and even still do to an extent. Um, like Fire, like not to sound like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead, um, but I love Fire and um, Flamethrowers, Dynamites, Flares, um, Snowed In Settings, um, you know, cool winter jackets. It's just like a badass movie, like Shotguns and all that. And um, 
growing up, I was a huge fan of the Metal Gear Solid video games, and I found out that the guy that made that game is a huge fan of of Hollywood films. It's a Japanese um, game creator, and he based the look of the main character on that Solid Snake on Kurt Russell in Escape from New York and and um, this movie. And growing up, I always wanted to look like Solid Snake, and um, I, I would grow my hair out to like look like that. And look, so little did I know, I was actually trying to look like Kurt Russell because Solid Snake was inspired by Kurt Russell's look. And yeah, the guy just like he has the coolest hair, the coolest beard, um, and just like his his way of like delivering his lines, and just like how like how you said how he is in real life. That's the character that that we get also on the screen, just like this cool laid back guy. Like when you see him like like drinking, like kicking back. Um, just standing up for himself, like just being like a badass, taking the charge. Like the man is just like the perfect leading man. So I definitely agree with with John Carpenter. Um, I would have definitely casted him in all my movies too, especially if I had already worked with him. Um, and I like that duo a lot. I know there's a lot of director and actor duos that you see over the years, like Scorsese with with De Niro, or like um, um, Scorsese with with uh, DiCaprio later on. I like I like John Carpenter and Kurt Russell together a lot. I think, like you said, they're similar in real life, and then um, that's what they give us in the movie, like just real badass, like edgy stuff, like not not squeaky clean. Like you, you don't see that like that type of celebrity nowadays. Like how you said how Kurt Russell doesn't care about what he says in interviews. Um, just like that cool non Hollywood guy, and I would argue that's why these movies come out so good, like like Halloween and and Assault on Precinct 13, and then uh, the thing like John Carpenter just knows his audience because he is the audience. He's just like the every average everyday man so yeah i definitely agree with you kurt russell's the man yeah i think uh also goldie hawn who's been they're not married but they've been together for like 40 years too i think goldie hawn is the same way i think that's probably ha- why they get along so well like i oh, said yeah. like, again yeah, she I, is the same. I, uh, that's um and her daughter's kate hudson right yep kate hudson yes and she, they also have a son um what's his name uh wyatt russell who is in the sequel to, well, the spiritual sequel to Days of Confused, Everybody Wants Some, and he was also in um, an awesome movie, I think I might have mentioned it before, called Overlord, again, about, like, Nazi mutants, and it's like the uh, the Nazis building a, a uh, army of mutants to, to fight in World War II, and Wyatt Russell plays one of the guys to go over there and, and fight them, and so Overlord also has great makeup effects as well. But, I liked um, Goldie Hawn in um, Foul Play a lot. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah, that's with uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's a great movie. With the yeah, no, I, I'm actually I'm, I'm looking at that DVD box right now. It's right great, in front of me. Yeah, great movie. That's the only movie I've seen by her, and I, I loved her in it. And you could tell that she has that uh, girl next door like you know vibe too. She not she she doesn't seem like a Hollywood person. Yeah, she she's also in a classic which they just remade too called oh, with with uh, Kurt Russell called Overboard. And also, um, again, a great movie with Bruce Willis called Death Becomes Her. And although I'm going to sound like I like chick flicks, because I do, again, like I said, I, I, I am a big film, big fan of a lot of films, like all films. But uh, First Wives Club is a great movie as well. But uh, yeah, now Goldie Hawn, I recommend. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple titles later, Steve. I definitely recommend checking her out. Yeah, this movie. This movie came out like the same time as, which I find interesting because I wasn't even thinking about it until I was recently watching it. This movie came out, first of all, it came out in 1982. Um, it came out the same year as E.T., which I find, I, I, I find hilarious because E.T. came out, Spielberg did E.T., and E.T. is like this warm, friendly alien 
And then Poltergeist came out like a week later or whatever, the movie that we talked about last week. And then like a week after that, The Thing came out. And it was kind of like Carpenter saying, fuck your E.T., aliens are going to take over us and kill us. And like I said, everyone thought they were all peaceful for two weeks, but now back to reality. But So I thought that was pretty cool how they did that. And like I said, this also, like I said, the movie came out in 82. So I find this nuts that the movie was, um, it was filmed in 1981. So the whole movie is about this, is about, again, like this parasite that is, it's an alien that's taking over bodies, and it's like you said, it's making you paranoid. So you don't know who has it, and to, to realize what it is, they have to do a blood test, which is also a great scene. I think the blood oh, test yeah. is one of the great makeup scenes in that movie, too. And also a great, again, um, great paranoia scene. And again, this came out the same year that... Uh, when they were filming it, and they filmed the movie in June of 1981, and that's when the first case of AIDS was discovered. Oh, wow. And, again, like I said, I find that nuts because AIDS is, again, a very... The way they describe what's going on in the movie, like finding out by a blood test and not knowing who has what and being paranoid and knowing who to stay away from. At the time, I mean, AIDS is still... a, a it's still something that, like, is a very serious topic. But at the time, like, again, no one knew what was going on with that, and everyone feared for their lives about it. Because, again, even there's... Not saying that, like, it, it won't get out of hand now, but especially then, they didn't know how to deal with that at all. There, there, there wasn't medicine for it. Again, so I, I, find, I find that interesting. Yeah, and um, I heard originally John Carpenter was, was um, hesitant on making the movie... Uh, because of how much of a fan he was of the 1950s one. And um, Universal, or I think it was Universal Distributed, right? This movie? I, I'd have to look it up, honestly. I, yeah, I, whoever I it is, they, they convinced them to do it by telling him to read the original uh, novella uh, of which the thing uh, from Another World was based from. And when he read that, he liked it so much and enjoyed it um, so much that he wanted to... He, that he was convinced to remake it, and he wanted to add elements from the story that weren't there in the 1950s version. So apparently, the John Carpenter's adaptation of of the original novella, which is called um, "Who Goes There," it's not called the thing. It was called "Who Goes There," and then that's what they made a movie from the 50s. And then John Carpenter remade a, a movie of that in which he put more elements from the original novella in it. Uh, yeah, apparently his version is more uh, faithful to to the novella than the 50s version. And I think that's interesting that, that John Carpenter was such a big fan of, of the original 50s version and never even read the, the, the original novella it was from. So he liked that just as like a movie uh, for what it was, even lacking the, the elements of the, of the novella. And then when he made it, that's when he decided to add his elements of it. And he's even a, a, a fan of, of, of that movie, uh, his own movie. I know directors usually don't want to like praise their own work, but John Carpenter is on record for saying The Thing is one of his favorite movies that he made. So I, I just think that's fascinating how... Uh, it's, it was originally a book, and then um, it was made a movie in the 50s, and that's what John Carpenter discovered, and then he found out the book, and then he made a movie that's more like the book. And then um, going to, like, later generations, just the way uh, uh, later generations get put on and, like, discover old old um, properties like the thing or, like, old movies. Um, the way I discovered it, like I said before, was I found out about the video game first, and I was like, oh, that looks like a cool game. And then when I looked into it, I'm like, oh, it's based on an 80s movie, 
and then that's when I found out about the movie and little did I know that that was a remake of a 50s movie which was based on a book so that's just cool how in, uh, generation through generation um, kids will always find uh, reasons to go back or like discover something old that they wouldn't have uh, if hadn't it not been recreated like in a, in a different uh, media form um, I think of like the Evil Dead video game that's out right now I bet you there's a lot of uh, kids right now getting that game oh this this looks like a cool game you know zombies and and a chainsaw guns whatever they get it and little do they know and then they find out when they play the game that it's based on a on 80s movies and then that gives them incentive to go f back and find out and and you know what the movies are about and, and watch them and stuff so yeah no a hundred percent um again i i'm not someone that hates remakes um i always give a remake a shot I, I'm, I'm always like again when a remake comes out i'm psyched like I said, I, no matter what remake it is, because I want to see what they do different with it. I normally dislike about half remakes and like about half of them. I'm 50-50. I'm but again, you're correct. Like I said, the one thing that's always awesome about remakes is that it allows people nowadays, like young kids who are in their early 20s, or I, I guess you're not a young kid, you're a young adult in your early 20s, but if you're in your early mid-20s or if you're a teenager, you might not have seen the thing. You might not have seen Halloween. You, you might not have seen these movies. Like, again, um, it's kind of like grow, growing up for me. That, that that was like a rite of passage almost. Like, you sat through these horror movies, and I, I it it's weird for me because I find I I guess just because I'm a movie fanatic. I, I know I mentioned before in po ha past podcasts that like I own like five thousand hard copy movies, and growing up. It wasn't weird that like I was watching like movies from the 60s and 70s like that was just something that I did and I was watching Jimmy Stewart movies from the 40s and Hitchcock movies but I understand that a lot of people aren't like that which is understandable so again like you were saying like these these remakes and these prequels and these sequels and these video games or whatever it may be allows allows these young youngsters or people that are even our age that weren't into it before to take a step back and maybe go look at it and sometimes like i said uh unfortunately because like, i think a lot of these remakes like again um i think the thing 1982 is a lot better than the prequel from 2011 but maybe some of these people like the cgi stuff better i don't know maybe i'm not sure uh the i was I was on, again, I was Facebooking before, and it's kind of like people not seeing things from 30, 40 years ago. I, I posted that uh, a video about Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, a few years ago, made a Netflix special and had a song dedicated to Chris Farley. And I was saying it's weird because, like, to me, Chris Farley is the funniest, maybe, maybe the funniest comedian in the last 30 years, definitely in the top two or three, but probably the funniest. And I remember being at work like four or five years ago and talking to like someone in their early 20s and I brought up Chris Farley and they're like, who? Hmm. And like, I was like, it's nuts. But like, just like, uh, just like these remakes, they can't remake the comedian, but it's great that you got guys like Sandler and David Spade and stuff like that who walk around and still talk about him and keep his memory alive. So it, I, I always like having a way for young, young, uh, I guess young film viewers, uh, young audience members, you, you, whatever you want to call them, to go and take a look, have a way to take a look at the past. And so, yeah, so I thought that was cool how you brought that up. But, uh, and originally, 
Carpenter, like you say, he didn't want to make the film. Originally, he wasn't even set to direct the film. Like we said before, Toby Hooper, the director um, of Poltergeist, because of the success of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, was, uh, was asked to direct the film. But instead, he ended up directing Poltergeist that year, which, again, was a great film. And when Carpenter first made the film, the film was... I don't know how this happened. I think people are just idiots. Um, again, I'm not trying to knock people's opinions, but this film was panned by critics and filmgoers when it came out. So, again, I'm, I'm not... Sorry if I called you an idiot, but, like, I, I, I don't understand how people... Like, this... Carpenter, I consider, like I said, my favorite director, and I consider him better than Craven, just because I think... He has two of the greatest horror movies ever made. He has The Thing and he has Halloween and a bunch of other great horror movies. Maybe not the top, but The Thing and Halloween, if you ask me, are two of the top ten films, horror films of all time. Um, I know you like The Thing better than The Alien. I do not. Um, I, I can see your argument. I, I think they're, uh, it's definitely debatable. I think they're both great films. And but I would put all three of those films, Halloween, The Thing, and Alien, all in the top ten. But the movie was Carpenter said that this movie has almost it almost destroyed his career, and he refused to talk about the movie for years later on because uh, again he thought that it was destroyed his career. And like I said, the film was panned by critics and filmgoers, which I find to be nuts. It actually it didn't do that terrible at the box office. Um, didn't do great, but it made it it. I mean, it made more than its budget. It made $19 million off of $15 million, so, you know. Yeah, it comes down to preference, really, uh, whether you like Alien or, or the thing but, uh, better. Like, to me, I just prefer, uh, like I said before, I really like the blizzard and snow settings. Um, I think of movies like The Shining and uh, just in general, I feel like snow and just the cold weather just adds so much to it, especially being like um, like them, like a research team like in a remote place where – they have they lost communication with like the outside. Um, I just like that grounded setting more than you know being out in space. And then the fact that that it's like an infection taking over like your own friends. Uh, I just think that adds just so much more like like um, dread and paranoia to it. Um, like an alien, it's like an actual alien. Um, this it's actually like your your own friends. You don't even know if it's like a duplicate. Like if it's somebody, um, if it's somebody that's affected being being impersonated or whatever, or if it's the real person, um, then at other points you even had to kill your own friends and, you know, tie each other up, which is like the, the great scene of, with the blood the blood samples. Like, all that stuff, I think, just is what makes the movie so good. Like like I said before, the practical effects and all that, the makeup is great, but the themes that it touches on, like um, mistrust and, and paranoia and just all the stuff that, that this movie covers is just, like, so awesome. And I, I think it's the... I don't know if I said this in the beginning, but I really think it's the greatest sci-fi horror movie ever and greatest sci-fi movie also and um and yeah that that's even better than star wars and, and any of those movies it doesn't have to be horror just in general i think this is the best sci-fi movie well the funny thing is like when it comes to sci-fi movies actually uh i'm not a big sci-fi guy me neither um, i like sci yeah I, I like sci-fi horror so like i i love this i love alien like i said um i like uh even though it's not horror I guess um, I like Starship Troopers a lot too. Oh yeah, I love Starship Troopers. Yep. Yeah. So like again, um, these movies are again I I not a big sci. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I'll, I'll watch it. I'm I'm not, I'm not like a big. I, I like the new reboot Star Trek movies that came out like a decade ago, but I'm not a huge fan of the original Star Treks. Um, I hate but, to keep saying it, but once again, I agree. I love I love those remakes, but 
but um, not a fan of the original Star. There was never a Trekkie, but those those remakes, um, I thought they were pretty entertaining. I think I saw two of them. Yeah, no, there's three of them. There's a Star Trek. Um, I forgot. I think the first one's just called Star Trek, and then they have Star Trek Into the Darkness, and then they have Star Trek. Um, the last Star Trek was uh, what was it? Um, Beyond Star Trek Beyond. I forgot who played Captain Kurt. It, I I think it was Chris Pine. Chris Pine, yeah, yeah. Chris Pine, right? Yeah, yeah. But that but, that movie, I I don't know if they were gonna make more. I, I doubt they were. But that movie franchise stopped when um who was named? I forgot the kid, uh, the, the young actor in the there was a young actor in the movie that died um in oh, a yeah, car accident from, from Green Room. Uh, El Chin. I don't want to say his yeah. name wrong because um you know he's no longer with us. But yeah, he was a great actor. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that was part of the reason why they stopped making them, but they definitely. I, I would love to see more of the Star Trek movies, but again, like I said, yeah, but the, the, they did it really well. But in this um, movie, they, um, the thing does mm-hmm. owe uh, credit though to to Alien because apparently um, the studios were hesitant uh, on greenlighting the movie because this was when Star Wars was like at its peak, and they thought that if they were gonna if they were gonna release a sci-fi movie that takes place in space, it had to be like. Uh, a fun action adventure type movie like Star Wars. They didn't think there was an audience anymore for, uh, you know, gruesome monster movies like like the '50s movies. They thought that that era had had come and uh, had come and went. Um, and then when Alien came out and did as well as it did, that being a sci-fi horror with you know blood, guts, and gore, when that then when that did that well is when they decided to finally um, greenlight the thing. So if it wasn't for Alien, the thing wouldn't exist. And then I think the thing made those uh, creature monster movies from the '50s. Uh, come back like uh, they were back like in in style I guess thanks to the thing so it's funny how things work out well it's the same thing that they did later on in the uh, late 90s like we talked about before where they uh, again we didn't talk about today but we talked about in past shows where they came out with 13 Ghosts House on Haunting Hill and The Haunting all at the same time <laughs> and they were all just like making those movies like those Vincent type movies Vincent Price type movies from the 50s and just remaking them and they did pretty well themselves but uh, you, you were also talking about like the um, again, the coldness and everything in the movie, like c- c- kind of like um, like the winter setting, like the shining yeah, stuff. It. I I love the tagline of this movie, by the way. Uh, Man is the warmest place to hide. I think that's pretty <laughs> awesome. I didn't yeah, even yep. know that. <laughs> yeah, yep. And then uh, I always say like I while watching this movie, especially at the beginning, um, I wouldn't really want to be where they are towards the end of the movie, where they're all dying and turning into the thing. Oh, but yeah. when they're all like hanging out and just like drinking beer and so cool, playing yeah. pool and they got those arcade machines and stuff there like i would love to spend a week with them you know that yeah. just sounds like a fun time and that's what i love yeah. about it too the the element of of seeing them drop like flies which reminds me of um my favorite family guy episode which is based which is a, a parody a satire on the agatha christie book and then there were none and that's what I really like about this movie too. Which um, later on, when we get to our movie recommendations, I'm gonna recommend other movies like that because I always like that 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 story device of people like isolated somewhere and then not knowing who to trust. Uh, another movie that comes to mind um, is Identity, um, and then just seeing them, yeah, seeing them uh, featuring Ray Liotta, rest in peace. Yeah, it's seeing, it's late Ray Liotta, right? Yep. Yes. So it's just like a group of people, and then getting to know the characters, like spending time with them, uh, dialogue-heavy scenes, like all that stuff. Like I love that, and then. Um, wondering who who the killer is or who's infected or whatever the story is which brings us back to another movie we covered earlier um cabin fever which had the same thing going for it and um and it kind of reminds you of um i forgot how exactly it goes but alfred hitchcock had like a theory about suspense like um 
if if um if there's a bomb under the table and the the audience knows the knows about it you know that's going to add tension to it if the if the people in the movie don't know about it but if if they know about it i forgot exactly how it goes um, you probably heard it before but basically just the importance of, of building tension and suspense in a movie is like not seeing not seeing something uh, you know f- like for what it is just like knowing that it's there and that it could go off in any second like same thing goes with like these characters like you don't know who's a duplicate who's who's infected who's gonna like um you know just burst out whose head's gonna pop like all those scenes like just come so sudden just like the dog scene um that tension and just wondering and like it's like it makes it kind of like a fun game like um you, as you watch the movie especially if it's your first time viewing it just wondering who's going to be next um who's who they're going to have to kill off and and who's hiding something who's not even really who they are who killed who that just adds so much to the story of it and um yeah I, I, that's just one of the many things of why i love this movie we're talking about obviously hitchcock is the master of of suspense and like again like he's uh Hitchcock, I think, not only horror. People see Hitchcock as a horror director, which he he directed a couple of horror. Like the he's Bird, just a master of suspense. Psycho. Yeah, he's the master of suspense. Like again, like he made movies like Vertigo and uh, North by Northwest and stuff like that. He made a bunch of movies. It is a great movie with him about uh, called Rope. If you haven't seen it, it came out in the '40s, and it's about um, I think it's about two college kids that end up killing their professor and they have they, they host a dinner party and the professor is dead and they're trying to keep him hidden like he's dead like inside the room where they're hosting the party and that's a great movie and I ended up I, I, I own that um, I, I bought the Alfred Hitchcock collection that has like 13 14 films or whatever that wasn't one of them but I bought ropes maybe it was maybe I own two copies of rope I might be the only person in the world that owns two copies of rope <laughs> But um, yeah, but I thought that movie was great. And again, we were talking about like people that use their, their, they use the same actors in their movies, like they collaborate with the same actors. And again, Hitchcock always did that with Cary Grant and with Jimmy Stewart. And they they were always always in uh, his films. But uh, yeah, and another connection uh, with Alfred Hitchcock is apparently um, I didn't know this until I started reading about this movie. Uh, hit, uh, um, Carpenter attended seminars at his college. I forgot where he went, somewhere in California, film school. He attended seminars that were actually, um, that had Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, like all these legendary directors. He attended their seminars and, um, you know, just, I guess, learned a lot from them. And that makes sense. That ref- you, that's reflected on his films. And, um, you know, it's not that hard to believe that Carpenter was, you know, he picked Hitchcock's reign and Orson Welles and all those greats from back in the day because, he has like that style and he always was like a fan of that and he like brought it to like later generations and I hope it's kept alive and um, I wonder actually who the current directors that are inspired by John Carpenter are and are going to keep that style of film because I think I'd, maybe I'd say, I'd say suspense is my favorite like feeling that a movie can evoke I think maybe Adam Green like Eli Roth and like we, we talked about Eli Roth before with, with Cabin Fever yeah and like again he, he has a lot of gore and stuff in his movies and a lot of suspense but um, say I, Carpenter to me, like I said, I like him better than Craven. I I, I, lo- I love Scream. Yeah, so I didn't realize that the sheriff from Scream was um, he is also in a Nightmare on Elm Street, and Nightmare on Elm Street is again um, John Saxon plays Heather Langkamp's father. You can see John Saxon also in the great horror movie Black Christmas, and but. Sheriff Burke from Scream 
who plays he uh, he plays a cop inside the police precinct with John with uh, John Saxon and Nightmare on Elm Street. I remember watching that uh, last week. I just never noticed that before, and like I just had to pause and, and kind of stop and take a look at that and be like, wow! I paused the screen, took a little Snapchat of it, a little sna- a snapshot of it, and yeah. So again, that was. Uh, that was cool to realize, but I always thought that Carpenter was a better director than Craven. I think Craven is, is again, I, I, I love Scream. I, I, I think Craven has some great films out there. Um, the Hills of Eyes is great. Um, what's it? Uh, Last House on the Left is a great film. Um, I even like his uh, ones that aren't as big as that, like Shocker and stuff like that. Red Eye. And what? Red Eye. Red Eye, yeah. Red Eye is a great, a very suspenseful film, too. Yeah. Again, like uh, imagine being in that situation, hmm. and um, and props to I, I think she's a great actress too, uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, for sure. But um, she's a mean girl. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, even so, outside of um, uh, Kurt Russell, uh, the whole cast is just so awesome, and the most memorable part of it, um, Shields, uh, Windows Mac, like everybody, like was memorable. There wasn't. Uh, we talked about this in the past when praising other movies that do this. Um, they weren't disposable characters. They, these were like, like I said before, you get to know them and you, you know, you, you spend time with them, and then you see them interact with each other, which is really cool seeing the dynamics between all these like, you know, different personalities. No, no two characters are the same. They all have like a role. They all have a memorable scene. They all have a memorable death. Um, a key role. Um, I like that that at the end, it's Kurt Russell. I mean, um, um McGrady and and um shields that both survive but then you don't know if maybe one of them is a thing and i think carpenter left that left that uh, ambiguous on purpose and just like uh, little details like that just um wondering like i said before it, who killed who like just um stuff not being so straightforward and and you know spoon fed to you being left for interpretation just adds so much more um including that ending which was a great ending and like i said i like the choice for the two people that that survived and hopefully well, shields isn't a thing i mean uh shields i'm sorry I'm going to go back to that in a second, but I want to just go back for one second. I was talking about Carpenter being a great director. Oh, yes. And what I was, what I was about to get at is that, um, like I said, you when he filmed, again, you see this when he films Halloween, the opening shot with the, with the dolly. Like I said, that that one shot where like the camera's on the dolly the whole time. And it's like, I, don't, I forgot how long the shot is, but at the time it was like the longest shot like that. And it's just like one steady shot, like one dolly shot for that long. And again, that was very, he built, he built like, he built the dolly all, all around the house. And I don't think like Craven has ever thought of doing something like that. Like I said, that, that was like the first time that has been done. So again, I'm not knocking Wes Craven, an amazing director, but again, I don't think he's ever done something like that. But what you were just talking about, about the characters and stuff like that, I find that nuts that, like, the, uh, I think the original director and star of the first, The Thing, were maybe just a little jealous of the sequel? I, I mean, of the remake? I'm not sure, because they said that they disliked the film because the gore overshadowed everything else and made it impossible to care about the characters. But like you said, I thought, I thought all, the, all the characters were great. And oh, I, again, I, I, I want to talk about that, because I want to defend that, actually, because th- this movie, um, all the gore moments are very well-earned. Um, there's a lot of quietness and a lot of, like I said before, tension building. And then out of nowhere, like that defibrillator part when the guy's abdomen opens up and, you know, um, devours the guy's arms. That literally 
came out of nowhere and that's what like horror movies are all about like it's not just like the visual blood and the gore and all that like that's great and they do a, a tremendous job in that but earning they, those um, moments i'm sorry to interrupt for a second but when they were doing that with the arms yeah they they use a stuntman and the stuntman was an actual he he, he was an amputee again going the so, extra mile yep that's awesome yeah 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 and like that um that came out of nowhere you, you didn't like get like a hint like oh this is gonna open up you, you didn't even get like a sound no, nothing that it's a slow building moment it's, it's a regular scene he's gonna he's gonna um do what he's gonna do to the guy and then boom out of nowhere it opens that was really well earned all the makeup effects uh, like we said before with the dog all that build up in the beginning you know something's up with this dog um he, there's got to be a reason why they were chasing him trying to kill him those norwegians in the beginning and then out of nowhere that thing when he just pops in and you know transforms again it was earned it, it this movie is not just over the top um blood and gore it's showing off special effects for the sake of it um everything has like a you know a meaning to it and yeah i definitely don't think that because believe it or not like this movie you think of all the gore and all that it, um, that guy says that it's distracting and that you can't get into it because of that I'd say it's the opposite. This is actually a very beautiful movie to look at. Um, we haven't even talked about this. the cinematography for this movie is just out of this world, uh, incredible. Uh, it's a really cool movie to look at, not just because of the snow setting and like the, the nighttime, um, but the, the flames, the flamethrower, the flares. Um, uh, like I said before, um, the, the, the snowed in setting. It's just a very, very pretty movie to look at, and the cinematography is, is needs to be praised. And whoever said that about the gore being distracted, they, uh, they let it distract them because there's just so much more going on for it visually that when it does come it's earned and it and it's just there for for that and it, it doesn't you know it doesn't overstay its welcome it's it's um it's a great horror movie in every sense it's not it's not like splatter it's not like a splatter movie it's not a, a shock movie it's uh, everything was for a reason like this is what these things would look like if it was mutated like an infection from outer space that's probably most likely what it would look like it's not just like oh let's see what we can do and let's see how how graphic and gory you can get. Uh, they were actually trying to illustrate, like, like you know, the name of the movie is the thing. Uh, whatever that describes is, it's up to your imagination, um, and that's what those things look like, like a thing. Like, what is, what is that turning into? I, I don't know. They just call it the thing. It's like, it could look like however, it, um, you know, the director imagines. So those directors are just being sno uh, snobby about it. I mean, those critics I were being snobby about it. Um, they, they didn't realize that the movie had a lot more going for it. Well, I think they were like, even like we were talking with the critics before, but they were talking about the director and the actor and the original one. I think they were kind of like, that That was probably like their biggest movie that they, that they ever made, The Thing. So when they found out that like the that the remake was going to probably do better, it probably ticked them off a little bit. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that that's what happened, um, but I could imagine that happening. Uh, I found out also how, uh, what's his name? I was supposed to, I, for some reason I was about to say Travolta, but also um, Kurt Russell and... Keith David, like, the flamethrower you're talking about, they were actually using that on set. Like, it so was like awesome. some people, like, they were shooting that on set. And they were, um, again, Kurt Russell was talking about how he flew the helicopter. Like, he'd be flying the helicopter and stuff, um, which I thought was cool. And bringing up those makeup effects again, I felt like I, I loved how they always just gave you more. Like, the scene where, um, I think it's the same scene with the arm, with the head that turns into the spider-like type creature. Yeah, amazing. And it just keeps going. I forgot. I forgot what character looks at him, but the character looks at like the spider thing running away, and he just goes and it makes you crack up because he goes, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> like, 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 what's going on here? Like, like, it, 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 does it not stop? And then, um, 
Again, another great funny scene in that movie is where, uh, and it's a paranoia scene too, is when they all think that that Kurt Russell might be uh, might be the thing. And yeah, I like he's that holding, part. Yeah, he's yeah. holding the dynamite. He's like, he's like, you can come at me, but you come at me. He, I forgot the exact line, but he's like, I'm gonna blow us all to hell or what, what, whatever he says. He goes, yeah, it's badass. And, and then also talking about badass fucking Kurt Russell at the end of the movie, where he's. Um, the thing like's freaking out and like the thing knows that he's dying and Kurt also blows it up and he goes, Well fuck you too <laughs> yeah. That's a great line. Well fuck you too. Yeah, you agree but, that the movie's just pretty to look at, right? Like um like snow settings in general are just always beautiful. But even when they go underneath um I forgot what for, they go like to like a bunker, right? And then the yeah. whole aesthetic of the movie just turns like like this like yellow, kinda like the color of like like the flames. Like it's it's a very entertaining movie to just look at like it's like eye candy like it's a very beautiful cinematography very beautiful settings beautiful colors um even the husky is like you know like a cool dog to look at and i, I want to go back again to the video game influences i had no idea that that the thing is what influenced the resident evil games um later on i thought I, like resident evil was my first exposure to like zombies being mutated and transforming and and their heads turning into spiders and things coming out of the body and all that um, I always attributed that with Resident Evil, and then later on when I saw it uh, in other stuff, I'd be like, oh, it's trying to be like Resident Evil. Little did I know that The Thing was doing that way before in the 80s with practical effects, and that's definitely where they got it from, because in the Resident Evil games, there's even a, a husky in it too, and the husky uh, could also transform the way it does in that. So um, this movie had a huge impact, not just in movies, but in video games and just pop culture in general, and, and that's funny that John Carpenter nowadays, that's all he... All he does is apparently he's like a big gamer. Um, he's always gaming or making music with his with his son, and and um, you know collecting paychecks for Halloween. So yeah, John Carpenter is <laughs> probably my hero. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we talked about video games before too. I you know I, I I knew what you mentioned before about was it Metal Gear Solid? Yeah, that too. And then that the first one, the setting is a, a snow a snowed in Arctic like remote setting. So also um, um, the thing inspired. Well, I I knew that. But that's the one that you were talking about where, like, Kurt Russell's character is yeah, a character, Yeah, yep, the right? character's based on his look. Because I heard about that before. I just forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like yeah, I said, great. I was exposed to that character first, and then I found out about Kurt Russell. So <laughs> apparently I was always a yeah. fan of Kurt Russell's uh, badass look as an action lead, but didn't know because, you know, I found out about the other stuff first. So yeah, I, I still got to watch Escape from New York, though. I'm not going to lie. I, I never um, never watched that. Uh, Escape from New York is fantastic. It stars yeah. his, wife, his wife, Adrian Barbosa, in it, too. She's also in, um, she's in Swamp Thing also. Um, I think that's, that, that's a Wes Craven movie though, but she's in Swamp Thing. She's also in John Carpenter's The Fog, and she's also in The Thing. Oh, wow. Um, might be thinking there's no really females in The Thing, but she plays the, uh, the voice of the computer. Oh, okay. So again, I, I just recently found that out too, which is awesome. And um, yeah, so she was in The Fog. She was in uh, Escape from New York. Um, again, don't watch. I feel I feel bad because everyone seems to watch like. Uh, I'm I'm guessing the majority of young viewers. I I don't even know if they think know that there's there's an Escape from New York, but I think because Escape from L.A. is always on TV, and like <laughs> I was at my dad's house the other day, and like we're just going through the channels. All all my dad watches is news and baseball, and we're just flipping through the channels, and he likes a good like movie too, but like, all you see sometimes like the beginning of the title, and you see Escape from. 
and we're like, oh, awesome, and you click info, and it just says L.A., and we were both very disappointed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, but that, that movie is, that, I think Stacy Keach from, um, Stacy Keach is, is the, uh, he's, he, he, I think he was the father on Titus, the TV show, and um, he was also the head Nazi skinhead, um, wasn't a skinhead, but he was like the head, um, he was the head American of History the skin, X? yeah, in American History X, and he was also in a movie called, it was an anthology movie called Body Bags in the early 90s that John Carpenter actually directed one of the, I don't think John Carpenter was in it, he didn't direct any of it, uh, Toby Hooper directed one of the segments in it, but um, there's a segment where this guy, where the Simpsons make fun of it too, where this guy gets a new hair implant and the implant's taking over him. I think I think where he got the hair from it was like an exterior killer or something, and like the hair is making him, him into a killer. Huh. And Stacey Keish is in that. But again, uh, I highly recommend if you haven't seen L.A. either, don't watch L.A. Just go straight to New York because I don't know. Um, maybe I just hate L.A. because New York is so much better. Like like, like the not the city, but the movie. Um, yeah, maybe the, and, maybe and the city could, too. I don't know. I've never been to LA. And that goes to what you were talking about before, how it's good um, for kids to discover old properties through new mediums. It could also be a double-edged sword because uh, some kids might not check out Escape from New York if they watch Escape from LA first. And they're like, oh, what the hell? This is horrible. Just like uh, hopefully, and I really hope this, this doesn't happen, some people might watch the thing prequel and then be like, why should I even watch the, you know, the original one if this was so bad? I'm hoping people don't think that way, but yeah, that that could also be bad when, when things are remade in in a poor manner. No, nothing you could do about it other than tell these people, uh, other than see them, and when they say that, go, no, you're you're wrong, go watch it. But uh, <laughs> I can't get over that those were actual flamethrowers that they used. Um, uh, like I said before, this movie just has like all the, the cool badass things. Um, and I, I would think it's fun to film, minus the fact that it's in the snow. I'm not sure where they filmed it exactly. But yeah. to play with flamethrowers, uh, flares, um, riding helicopters, just like all the stuff, all the props and like the, the set pieces of this movie, I bet you it was like a pretty cool experience to film because it's just like a, a bad, like, it's like a dream come true for like anybody that like, you know, wants to like make a movie um, where they're the action, like this is like the ultimate um, way to be an action hero is, is in this setting, um, the way Kurt Russell is. It's like, um, you know, playing with flamethrowers, taking out um, um, mutated um, monsters and all that. It's just like a... A very fun. Um, it sounds crazy calling it that, but it's a very fun movie. <laughs> yeah, and like watching it again, like I said, him doing all that stuff just shows that like he just a regular guy. Kurt Russell to me, I, I, I don't know. Some people can probably laugh at this, but he, he seems like a man's man. Yeah. And like again, like he's like, he probably saw a flamethrower. He's like, I want to play with this thing. Yeah. And like again, so, like that's probably what happened. And again, like. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. He's not a Hollywood guy. He's like a man's man type of guy. I didn't but, think uh, of this, but what, what I like so much about the aesthetic and the cinematography so much probably is the contrast of the fire from the flamethrowers and, and burning um, the creatures alive to the snow. Um, I wonder if that was done on purpose, but like I said before, the whole movie is just eye candy. It's just like cool explosions and fire and just like pretty things to look at. Gruesome and gory, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, a dream come true if you love horror. Um, movies with gore. It's it's, it's probably the goriest. Uh, would you say this is probably the goriest horror movie? It's up there. There's gorier ones like Dead Alive and stuff like that. Okay. There's gore. There's gorier movies, but this is up there. It's definitely one of the more mainstream gore movies. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say uh, one thing I want to add is that um, this movie is part of actually a 
a Carpenter trilogy called the uh, the Apocalypse tri trilogy, uh, basically about the world coming to an end, and that's the thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. So again, like I said, check out those three. They're, they're the Apocalypse trilogy for Carpenter. Um, this movie, I just want to add one one more thing, that uh, one more little fact about this movie, a little piece of trivia. This movie is being, uh, the original movie from 1951 is being played. It, this shows how much uh, respect Carpenter has for the, for the film. It was the original movie from 1951 was being played in the original Halloween. So oh, yeah. for those of, of you who don't know that. Wow. Yeah, kind of like how Scream, um, they were playing Frankenstein. Yep. And, and that's and funny. Like, yeah, that's funny because um, mm -hmm. like, like Halloween, uh, the thing was, was criticized and, and you know, it performed poorly uh, with critics. So that's pretty ironic. Yeah, I, I guess people just like hate on Carpenter. I don't know. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, and and he, um, he, I mentioned this. I forgot what episode, but Wes Craven put that Frankenstein scene in Scream, uh, to remind people that that a movie could be hated and and not understood at first, but it could go on to become a masterpiece. Because uh, I think Frankenstein was also criticized at first. I I think horror is a very um, again I think it's very easy for people to hate on horror. Yeah, because I think horror gets knocked yeah, more than, it. It, and if you look at it, like again, I think the only, the only two horror films or like, type films that have ever won the Academy Awards, are, Silence of the Lambs. And, also, um, the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rebecca, which I wouldn't really call a horror movie. It's like a ghost story. I'm trying to see something right now. Um, I again, I don't. Do you know The Exorcist won Best Picture? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Um, again, I, I'm sorry. I'm am just nerding out right now. The Exorcist Best Writing. Exorcist didn't win Best Picture, but I think it was nominated for it. Yeah. So again, it's still big. there's only been. Yeah. Yep. So the only two people I think a lot of people think the only horror film that was ever one is Silence of the Lambs. Rebecca, I consider somewhat of a horror film. It's more like a ghost story, but that's a Alfred Hitchcock movie from, I believe, I'm just going by memory here. I think it's 1942. And they remade that movie too, like in the 90s or early 2000s. But that's a fun movie to watch. Um, and anything else you want to add about the film, Steve? Yeah, and just to clarify, the Oscars uh, don't mean shit, and um, we don't need like their validation. Um, I, I never liked their their choices for winners. Like I, I stopped taking the Oscars seriously years ago. So, the fact that they don't acknowledge horror, that's fine with me. <laughs> um, well, I it, I think the Oscars were I I think a lot more better pictures like one back in like the '90s and before that. Yeah, it was I more prestigious. Last maybe, twenty yeah. years or so, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, yeah, I just. Um, as far as adding anything else, um, yeah, I just want to leave it at, at the fact that, like I said, this is a very influential um, movie that a lot of stuff that I, I ended up enjoying growing up as a teenager or as a kid and even right now, I still love to this day. Um, a lot of things that, that I like from other stuff, I had no idea was uh, The Thing inspired or, or John Carpenter inspired or Kurt Russell inspired. So a lot of DNA of the things that like make up what I like. Um, when it comes to movies and video games, uh, like I said before, the themes that it touches on of isolation, paranoia, like, you know, my favorite movie, The Shining. Um, there's just all sorts of connections just to things I like in this. Um, like, even a small one, this kind of reaching, but, um, like, I love, there's something about Mary and Keith David's in this. I love Reckon for a Dream and he's in it. Um, I love, um, I love snow settings. This is in the snow. Um, I love flamethrowers. I love fire. Like, just, like, a lot of, like, small elements that, that 
are important aren't just there to like please people like me that want like eye candy and like all oh, cool action because I, I, I'm not like that like I don't like the Fast and the Furious movies and, and movies like that like just for the sake of being like you know cool to look at or like Michael Bay movies come to mind but this is actually done like uh, for story purposes like fire is what took out like the the, the thing and stuff that's what you needed to to um, to, to defeat the, the monsters the fact that it looks cool that's just coincidental um just everything that this movie has going from the aesthetic to the cinematography to the character work, the, the actors that were picked, uh, the director, the score, which wasn't made by John Carpenter, which I can't believe because of uh, how good it was. But apparently he, he had um, his plate full with um, you know work. He had too much to do for this movie. He couldn't do the score also. But that score is very memorable, and I put it up there in my top ten um, horror movie scores. It's um, And again, later on, there are other stuff that I liked that had movie scores that were similar to that, uh, building tension with that same i'm not sure what instrument it is but like that same tempo because it's a very simple score um whatever it is i heard that later on implemented in different uh, music scores and i always loved it and uh like i said i bet the thing was the first ones to do it it's just um very influential movie very very cool very easy to watch it's like a, a comfort movie like kind of like um uh, you, you bought this up before um like halloween is like one of my favorite movies ever but it's not one that that i could watch over and over again that's just one example a lot of movies i really love but I don't know if I could watch it over and over again um, more than like a maximum once a year. This is a movie I could watch like weekly or, or wherever it's on if I go. So I'm very happy I watched it because uh, this is actually my second time watching it. When I first watched it, I, I kind of, um, uh, I, I don't want to say I dismissed it, but maybe I just didn't understand it. And I thought it was just like a showcase of cool special effects. I'm glad I saw it the second time because I came to realize that that's actually at the very bottom of my, the, the list of the reasons why this movie's great and why I love it. And um, yeah, I'm happy that that people came around to it and it's very well respected and I hear it brought up a lot in, in people's uh, favorite, not just top five, but I've heard a couple of people say that it's their favorite horror movie of all time and I can easily see why. Yeah, it, it's listed on some, uh, again, on some lists as like the number one horror movie of all times. And normally, like I said, normally it definitely is listed in the top five or top 10. Um, again, yeah, you're right. Like you mentioned this before and like I, I mentioned this before too, like I, I went to go see a movie with my dad and like we're sitting there just like, talk about Fast and Furious 6, we, we saw trailers for the movies before it, and it's just like explosions and crap. And my dad's like, what the hell's going on here? Like, I, I, I don't want to go see this. I don't even know what's happening. And again, like, that's pretty much what a lot of movies are nowadays, unfortunately. It's just they, people, it seems like a lot of the movie audience have shorter attention span now. So again, they're just like, oh, we're going to give you explosions and one-liners. And that's it. And again, so I, 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 I don't want to say, it's like, I, I said this last week too, I think, or two weeks ago, it's like, it's like South Park made that, that joke about calling the uh, the audience idiots. It's like, oh, it's shit. They'll watch it. Don't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, so I think a lot lot less work goes into uh, story and stuff in, uh, in film now and character development. Um, I, I, I want to give our shout-outs right now. Um, I'm going to shout-out uh, our movie recommendations. going to do Assault on Precinct 13th, which I mentioned a couple times earlier, which is one of... Not his first film, his first film was Dark Star, but this is one of his first films. This came out in 76, so right before Halloween. Um, it's about a gang that's trying to take over a uh, precinct, Precinct 13, and it's about the cops and also the criminals that have been locked up and they're kind of defending the uh, precinct. Um, so I want to put that out there because I feel, even though like it's a pretty big movie, I feel like a lot of people also haven't seen it yet. Um, so yeah, go check out Assault and Precinct 13th, Ray Carpenter flick, and also the 
1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Again, it's aliens taking over these bodies, so that's somewhat of a similarity. So, again, those two movies are what I'm recommending today. How about you, Steve? I want to recommend other movies if you like um, what I was talking about. Uh, part of the reason why I like this is, is the, a bunch of people isolated somewhere and you know losing trust for each other and being paranoid and being desperate to survive. Uh, I'm not going to describe each three movies' plot like in detail, so I'll just give three movies that cover those those similar themes of, like uh, like I said, just um, a group of characters and getting to know them over time, um, you know, different personalities clashing. Um, the Mist is like that. A great Stephen King adaptation, which I just saw for the first time. I can't believe I'm 15 years late, but a great movie, and the less I say about it, the better, because that's a good movie to go in cold. Um, the Lord of the Flies, which is based on a book that a lot of us had to read growing up. Um, a lot of people forget that it has a movie, and the movie is actually pretty faithful and pretty spot on. Um, I remember when I read the book and then watched the movie after, um, the movie was exactly how I pictured everything going, and the characters even looked the way I pictured them. So that was a pretty good adaptation. And again, same themes of going insane, being isolated somewhere, and you know, um, survival of the fittest. Um, and then the other one I recommend, it's a Saw movie. It's uh, Saw 2, which again, has a lot of characters in it. And you just see them survive, uh, try to survive, and you know, um, betray each other, and do whatever it takes to like come out alive. Um, yeah, The Mist, Lord of the Flies, and Saw 2. Lord of the Flies is one of those, again, like I enjoyed reading the book. I didn't enjoy reading much in high school, but like, Lord of the Flies, The Outsiders, um, what's the other one? Ordinary People. I, I like reading books about like kids because you're, you're a kid at the time, so you could somewhat relate. So so I, I, I always enjoyed reading that. Plus, Lord of the Flies is just an awesome a- adventure story. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah th- those are all great movies. Go check them out. Uh, I just want to mention before we leave today, Starting next week, um, everyone knows, I, I suppose everyone knows that the trailer also just dropped, but Halloween Ends is coming out in a few months. Do you, do you remember the exact date for it, Steve? I forget. I'm not sure. I think October 25th, which, which was yeah, when like, the original came out also. It's towards the middle of October. Yep. I'm not sure if it's 25th, but it's around that time. And so going from here on until October 25th, 14th. we will be October 14th, right? Yep. That's why I thought. I just didn't want to be wrong. But uh, again, so we're going from here to October 14th. We'll be discussing the Halloween franchise. So we're going to go over each of the Halloween movies. A couple of them will be thrown in the one episode, like uh, Halloween, let's say, 4 and 5, whatever. They stick together, like I said. If we feel as though like there's not as much information that we, we're going to give you for a full hour or so, We'll put a couple of them in one episode, but we will be doing that with all the Halloween films going from now till October 14th. So again, we look forward to building up the Halloween ends. I'm really liking this uh, this Halloween trilogy right now. Halloween uh, 2018, Halloween Kills, and I'm looking forward to Halloween ends. Uh, I'm hoping that it's a great end to the trilogy. I'm hoping it doesn't end like, like Major League or like uh, Godfather or something like that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be going for that. Yeah, as long uh, as it's it keeps the tone of Halloween Kills when Michael was on the screen, I think it'll be good because um, I'd say Halloween Kills was Michael at his best since Halloween 1978. Yeah, I think Halloween Kills was great. I thought it was better than the new Scream. Um, I thought very underrated sequel that came out this year was the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, yeah, I'm hearing I, I that, that a, a lot. couple times. What? You heard that? Yeah, I've heard that a couple times. Yeah, I recommend going to see that. I heard the one that came out before that. The only Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie I haven't seen is the one that came out right before that a couple years ago. I heard it was terrible. 
Um, not Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D because I actually liked that too. It wasn't a great movie, but I liked it. It was fun, but like I said, but this one was actually a really good movie, The Last Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But uh, so for that, guys, um, again, just remember to follow us at Be Afraid Horror Podcast, and we look forward to you uh, to you watching our next um, episode. And yeah, just again, remember if you can write reviews for us on whatever site you listen to us on, we'd be uh, highly appreciate that. And yeah, we're, we're looking forward to doing that, the Halloween franchise with you guys coming yeah, up. Yeah, this is but, huge uh, for us, by the way. Um, you, you just announced it pretty casually, but people know if, if they've listened to us that this is our favorite horror movie uh, up there with Scream. So hopefully you guys are excited as we are. Yeah, we, we, we tried to set it up in a way that we would end our anniversary films around the same time we were starting that, and it kind of worked out perfectly. But again, guys, uh, be afraid, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, guys.